Welcome back to another OWASP PDX podcast. Our special guest today is Kalia Young. She's an expert when it comes to self-sovereign identity on the internet. For many of us who build and integrate authentication systems into our web apps, an identifier is usually nothing more than an email address or an account number that we define and not the individual. Kalia and other industry leaders are looking at changing this by creating an open standard based on existing internet protocols that give individuals the sovereignty to control their own identifiers. Twice a year since 2005, people come to meet at the Internet Identity Workshop to discuss these matters. Kalia is the co-founder of the workshop that also brought other technologies to the forefront, such as OAuth, OpenID, and FIDO. The next workshop is going virtual this year from April 28th to the 30th, 2020. Go to internetidentityworkshop.com for more details. Kalia Young, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Yeah, no problem. Tell us your journey about how you became the identity woman. So in the early 2000s, I was part of a community called Planet Work, and they were exploring missing pieces of infrastructure on the internet. And one of the things that their community discerned was missing was a layer of identity for people to manage and control their their digital selves. And they wrote the Augmented Social Network white paper, Building Identity and Trust into the Next Generation Internet. And I was part of the community uh, when they published that and was very inspired and decided that I too wanted to build distributed social networks so that we could connect all the people who wanted to make change together. And there was a small problem. Their vision was ahead of where the technology was. And I've spent the last 15 years working with a technology community, working to build that layer of the internet for people to own and control their digital representations of themselves. And early on when we were that community was forming, one of the leaders, Doc Searles, went around and encouraged everybody to start a blog. And you needed a cute name for your blog, as it was in the, you know, in 2005. And I was the only woman that I had met at a meeting about these topics. And I said, well, I guess I'm the identity woman, and I'll just make that the title of my blog. And then the the name kind of stuck. In WOWAS, our goal is to be, as you probably know, as a resource for people who want to build secure web applications out on the internet. Mm -hmm. And we often talk about identity as something needed for authentication, data ownership, and auditing. But beyond that, and we talked about this a little bit before the recording here, is that for us, for InfoSec people, identity is nothing more than, say, an email address or an account number. But Kalia, how, how do you define identity? That's a great question. When we zoom way far out, um, identity is socially constructed and contextual. Uh, So we make it all up. We don't, even all these digital systems we're talking about, human beings created them. So Mm -hmm. that helps us get out of like, there is one definition and it's all true. Like, and for the purposes of building software, Uh, There's a lot of focus on identifiers. So that's the address that you use for someone in a digital system. That can be a username. Um, It can also be a deeper identifier in your system. So if people can change their usernames, you're not um, messing up how they're all linked together in the background. And it can also, you know, email addresses and phone numbers are also identifiers. They're network endpoints. 
there has been a convergence, let's say, with digital happening where a bunch of other identity systems that were created before we had digital systems are now sort of running full steam into digital systems. So things that are based on paper, like a passport or a driver's license, those are all identity systems that we all use to do transactions. So they're all rooted in physical credentials issued to us by sources that we generally as a society agree agree are authoritative. And now the question that we have is how do credentials and attributes that are attached to those that we have so far really only manifested in the physical world, how do they get translated in a trustworthy way into the digital world? What makes the work that you're doing here, and that's what really got me excited, and I know you're doing this, I believe, through the Internet Identity Mm -hmm. Workshop. The fascinating part of them is that you're all trying to create a technical solution using open standards built upon existing internet protocols, say TCP IP. How is that work progressing technically today? I know you've been doing it for a Mm -hmm. number of years now. Where are you at on that? And technically, how would this work? So the Internet Identity Workshop's been a hub of innovation since its inception. And we are the place that OpenID got created and invented from. A huge amount of work around OAuth was done at our conference because it was we were we we still are a sort of Switzerland where everybody from all these different companies come and you know we had engineers from Yahoo at the time and MySpace and like Flickr being like wait a second uh, if we don't. If we don't actually create a way for people to give authorization tokens, so the OAuth stands for authorization to individuals to support other applications getting access to their photos, for example, without giving away their username and password, we're all hosed. And and we mm-hmm. OAuth was built to fight the password anti-pattern, where the only way up until then that you could have one application connect to another application on was to pretend to be you and everybody understood that as like sort of death to security on the internet as we know it. So OAuth got invented. And then in the last several years, there's been another generation of innovation around decentralized identifiers and verifiable credentials. And so these provide a potential bridge between that identify like identity currently anchored in paper over to being able to be expressed in a digital form. And those standards are still still being formed, although there is a code in working production and a lot of effort to work on interoperability across different implementations. There's still the decentralized identifier standards getting um, moved through the W3C right now. Is this related? Is this essentially the same as when you talk about uh, self-sovereign identity? Yeah, SSI? so I... There's a lot of controversy about those words and what they may or may not mean. So yeah, the self-sovereign identity is one term that is being used. It's analogous to decentralized identity, meaning that the identifiers that drive the network or drive the interactions are generated by software people own in control. They're not assigned to you. That's what the decentralized and decentralized identifier is about. So This is to contrast like when you go and become an employee at a company, they assign you an employee number. When you go and get a a username under Google or Microsoft or LinkedIn, 
you're picking a name within their namespace. When you have a phone number, you're assigned a phone number in a global phone number namespace. You are not generating it yourself. You're getting assigned to an identifier and someone under ultimately under someone else's control. And with the decentralized identifier, you have software under your control. Now, who wrote the software and how we make sure that all of that's above board is probably where your membership can come in and help us you know, do that even better. But at least I generate my own identifiers and then I potentially have, along with a public-private key pair, and I get to manage those and use them as a, a sort of self-certifying identifier that I can then use to interact with all sorts of institutions and potentially collect verifiable credentials about myself. But it's not because they are assigning me an identifier, although they are giving me attributes that I have based on what I how I'm represented in their database. They're handing me a digital verifiable credential that acts in many ways like the paper documents that we have. So it can be shared with other parties and the who verify the information by checking the signatures and the issuers, you know, the government who gave me the digital version of my passport, they never get pinged by the verifier because the verifier checks the signatures that they can look up in a distributed ledger. So that's another aspect of the decentralization is that the the issuer and the verifier do not speak to each other with a in, in any technical way. There's no technical federation. So I also describe this. I sometimes think my community is off on the wrong track. What if you just called it infinitely large, low cost, scalable federation? Like that sounds really cool, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah. what does SSI mean? Like, uh, yeah. Let's say that something gets ratified as a standard for what you're talking about today. Mm-hmm. And I know there's politics, of course, right? That's the bread and butter for some folks is to actually control your identifier. So adoption is another story. For example, Mm -hmm. IPv6, different rules, obviously, but it's been out there. But the use rate is only about 30%, according Mm -hmm. to Google, even with its enhanced security features. For this, how would you motivate for quicker adoption in the industry for your standard and its use? Sure, that's a great question. I think one of the things is you win... Well, I don't understand. Different layers of the stack have different dynamics around adoption. So I know almost nothing about why IPv6 may only be at 30%. But I do understand for the user experience for people and for businesses motivated to adopt this technology, they need some compelling reasons. And one of the things that was early on got me really excited about the adoption potential was institutions like banks looking at this technology and going, wow, you're giving me usable PKI to connect directly to my customers. And I can like leave behind the the current mechanisms of doing sort of quote unquote secure online identity for my customers by like putting owls looking back at them and sticking cookies in their browser and sending them text messages like you got working usable PKI that's way more secure creates a direct channel that we can trust with our consumers and we want to embed that into our apps and so in fact that's what you're seeing is the first implementations of SSI are actually embedded in applications for banks 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it reduces the Rube Goldberg-like approach that we see today with all these technologies. And of course, through that implementation, something's going to fail or something's going to go wrong. Yeah. And, and the other thing is you have Western liberal governments investing heavily in this technology. So they they are pretty clear that they are the authoritative source of certain pieces of information about their citizens. For example, when I was born, my parents filled out some forms, the doctor signed it, they sent it in, and I got a birth certificate back from the province of British Columbia. So the province of British Columbia is an authoritative source for my birthday. But they, as a government, are also really clear they do not want to know every institution that asks me for my birthday. They're like, that's not our business, who you share your birthday with. We're the authoritative source, but we don't want to be in the loop with all of those transactions, right? Imagine every time you shared your birthday, you had to phone home to the government for someone to know it's true. They're like, we just do not want to have that level of visibility into our citizens. It's against our values. It's a security risk. It's terrible. So then the question is, how do you get this to happen in the digital world? And that's one reason that they are leading the way in terms of supporting this new, it's it's new infrastructure. I believe the innovations that we're talking about with this new identity layer are as significant as the web was coming on top of the internet. Mm-hmm. So that individuals can share all sorts of information about themselves in ways that are under their control and not phoning home to the issuers. So... The British Columbia government's invested in this technology. The Canadian government just did a, an RFP to have um, innovations in the space. The U.S. government has invested in the space. The Department of Homeland Security Science and Innovation, Science and Technology Department is, is funding this work because they want to be able to issue digital credentials in a secure way and not be in the loop with where people present them. That's great. And actually, I think you just answered my next question, but OWASP, we're a group of security folks. And when something new or a new technology comes out, we like to hack it, right? We're a little bit different than others. And I'm sure security and privacy concerns have come up from time to time during your research. How would you respond to those who might say that the security risk associated with SSI could outweigh its actual benefits? Sure. Come come bang on it. Join our community. Uh, there's several open source projects too. There's the Ares project, which is under Hyperledger, and the cryptography languages are in a in a project called Ursa. And the the Ledger, which seems to be like the least important part of all this, is in a project called Indie. You have the Decentralized Identity Foundation that's also stewarding some open code along with the Universal Resolver. There's a new protocol emerging called DIDCOM, which is Decentralized Identifier Communication. And it's supporting two owners of two decentralized identifiers being able to open up a secure channel with each other and talk. And some people have criticized this saying it's like reinventing TLS. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I'm not going to get into that argument. On the other hand, if, if you are into the security of TLS and you're like, what are these folks up to over here? We, we welcome the more input into supporting it being more secure and better. 
I think that's great. And your first line was the best. That's it's an open system. Come and try to find vulnerabilities, and everyone, most people, I would say, in the security world, believe in that. It's like the Kirchhoff's principle for security: have the system open, let people find the vulnerabilities, and fix it. Yeah, that's great. And the standards are the standards, especially the decentralized identifier one, is currently it's still in baking mode. So you, I believe, with W three C, you can go see the work out in GitHub to actively contribute, you have to be a member, but I think you can comment and, and everything you want in GitHub and and look at what's, what's going on with the standard as it's still being baked. So for organizations today that want to do the right thing in regards to handling identifiers, what advice can you give them? Are there some best practices now that they can follow or even more importantly, how can they get involved with this movement? Sure. So I think I would, one is you can go talk to some of the companies that are involved if you're interested in understanding what their products are and how they compare to what you have today. Actually, there's a really cool company called Spaceman ID that basically does like log in with your decentralized identifier as a service. So if you want to implement something, they actually have a product you can implement. And I would say the best way to get involved is to join us at the Internet Identity Workshop. So we're hosting our 30th one at the end of April. And given all of the cancel everything memes going around, we are not canceling. We are becoming a virtual event. And so we will still be we still be gathering, which I'm excited about as a community adventure of how we create the feeling of intimacy and connection that we have at IIW in a virtual environment. Because we've been gathering for 15 years, and there's people who've really actually come to almost all of them for over a decade, there's a real deep community there. So I'm hoping that both new people can join us who wouldn't have been able to make it before and also like connect to the, the, the feeling that we have in the community. And um, just keep watching this. I think um, identity is is a really critical keystone piece of infrastructure that I'm hoping is done really differently in the next three to five years in, in ways that are better for everybody, better for people, better for businesses, better for security. And yeah, so we'll see. Kalia, again, thank you for spending time with us today. You're welcome. Thanks, Don. This podcast is brought to you by the Portland, Oregon chapter of the Open Web Application Security Project, OWASP. Check us out online and see how we're making the web a more secure place. Music is by Tomo and Animoy. And my name is John Whiteman. Thanks for listening.